Welcome to Chapter 2 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Jean Thomas, CIO at Memorial Hospital at Gulfport. In this segment, Thomas discusses what it took to build a case for sophisticated analytics, the many hats a CIO must wear, and the not-so-simple solution to improving patient engagement. Looking at, at uh, analytics and, you know, for well, first getting, getting the data to where you, where you want it and then moving into analytics, what, what, do you say, what would you say are some of the, um, the biggest uh, goals you're looking at as far as, you know, being able to leverage that data to improve, improve care and uh, improve the patient experience? Sure, good question, and I guess I would ask you, how much time do we have? Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Not a quick one. <laughs> well, it's an important one, and you're right, it's not a quick one, but it is important. Look, I, you know, I'll kind of preface it with the role of the CIO is important, and while it's about the bits and the bytes, and it's important that, that you know, people like me have people in place that understand that well, in my opinion, doesn't mean any others agree. The CIO's role is, is is different than it was a decade ago, if you will. You know, I, I picture my job is to put the infrastructure in place to have a stable environment, to provide care, but to make sure the right information is at the right provider. This con, you know, this this wonderful quote everybody says similar to this: the right information to the right provider at the right time in the right venue of care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But but I need to make sure that we've got the data so people can look at outcomes medication use, utilization, um, how do we take patients that, that we can predict are at risk and do earlier interventions, right? How do we change from a hospital that take, takes, care, uh, takes care of sick people to a system that prevents illness, right, population management? How do we get people in plans of care that allow us to have dialogues about wh whether it's lifestyle or different interventions before it becomes an acute high-cost event? And so analytics is not the answer. It's a large part of the answer, mm -hmm. right? And, and, you know, kind of what I say is, you know, I'll, RED, uh, 85,000 visits a year. There's a good percentage of those RED visits that are either primary care or the unmanaged, manageable condition. So with analytics, uh, you don't really want to do this, in my opinion, without analytics because it, it's, it's not real effective. It's kind of a shotgun as opposed to a rifle. But with analytics you may be able to rifle shot and say, who are the people that are coming in with these unmanaged, manageable conditions, and what can we do to prevent that? And again, I go back to the fact that we've got a footprint. So if we know a lot about that patient, and we can find the patients that, that have a high likelihood of coming into the ED with an unmanaged, manageable condition, we can do something, hopefully, prior to that high-cost event that's first and foremost best for the patient, it's good for our community as a community hospital because it, it, it provides us not only access efficiency but also financial efficiency. And, and you know, I would tell you I think it's good for you and me and anybody else that, that might hear this and that we as taxpayers, um, in large part, right, the government's the largest payer, we pay the burden for those high-cost ER visits when, in fact, mm -hmm. if, if people were managed differently, and part of this is patient engagement, it just wouldn't cost the taxpayer as much. Great. And so analytics is, in my mind, is, is critically important. I, I, we wouldn't, in my opinion, I would not have recommended that we, we pick a vendor as robust as Cerner if we weren't going to do analytics at the same time. Right. Right. It's that big, that's huge of an investment and, you know, it's such a, a, a big initiative to, uh, to go to a, this, this single integrated system and you want to make sure that you're really going to be able to, to transform the data. That's right. 
data should drive decision making. You got the human element, element, but in terms of you know pointers, you want the data to be able to drive what makes sense to at least do or think to do or test to do, if you will. Right. It, it's interesting. I mean, that there's there's so much potential for for data when it comes to things like um, you know readmission, reducing readmissions, but then also just improving population health. And um, I know that uh, with with your area you're certainly dealing with, with a good amount of, of chronic disease patients. So, uh, you know, I can, I'm sure that this is, this is something that that's, that's definitely uh, a priority. Yeah, you know, you, you couple that. You, you, you're exactly right with, with some, the, the composition of some of our, our patient population. But also, you know, a community-based hospital, not-for-profit, mm-hmm. uh, safety net provider, you know, a good percentage of our volume is Medicare, Medicaid, and the uninsured. And I, I go back to best for the patient, best for the community, um, best for the institution that's there to support the community, and best for the taxpayer. Right. Now, when you, when you talk about, um, you know, uh, a little, about the CIO role and how it's evolved, um, something like uh, investing in, in data warehouse platform and analytics and things like that um, might not always be the easiest sell right now uh, when so many organizations are, are dealing with uh, tight dollars, and you know, I'm sure a single hospital system, you're, you're dealing with that too. But is this something that can be a difficult thing to uh, to sell to the board? And as far as you know, making analytics uh, a, a key priority? It, it, yes, it can be. And, and I'll tell you, with some of my colleagues, they they've had a harder uh, challenge, I should say, than I did. You know, for me, I've, I'm fortunate. My colleagues in the C-suite understand this. Um, but what we did do is, in our selection process for analytics, we kind of reached out and asked various procedural areas to come up with uh, scenarios. What would you like to see that you're not getting today? Or what do you want to make sure you're going to get if we move to a new system? So we actually came up with scenarios that engaged um, you know, a good cross-section of, of the procedural area directors and managers, if you will. And they gave us scenarios, and we actually gave those scenarios to Health Catalyst and, our, and the other finalist vendors. And I'll tell you what was impressive about Health Catalyst is they said, gee, no problem, we'll come back and give you um, not only answers to your scenarios, but if you'll give us access to your data, you know, we'll sign the right business associate agreement, we'll come back and show you your data um, based on these scenarios that you've asked us to, to provide. And they actually were able to do that in about three or four weeks. But we, we, uh, we did spend a good bit of effort building consensus and engagement on analytics. Um, we did spend a good bit of time, and I spent a good bit of time sharing with you know, the C-suite, and, and then of course we did with the board. Here are the benefits other institutions have realized um, when they've used analytics. Um, you know, there's, good, there's good data out from, from a variety of sources that show if you put in an EMR and use analytics, you know, HIMSS of course does this with their adoption scale. Here are the benefits other institutions have enjoyed by doing this. So we, we spent a good bit of time, uh, one, making sure we believed it, and, and of course I did, uh, partly based on background, but, and then making sure we explained to the board why do we want to include this in this project as well. But I would say it's important to build consensus. Now I'd also caution, when you build consensus, you know, be careful if you build it, they will come. Right. And, and, and they're hungry right now and they're coming and say, can't you please, please, please give me this data. And, and while we're doing it, I'm just saying, you know, there's, there's more requests than, than I have the capacity to fill right now. And that's right. actually a good thing. Yeah, but that uh, it, that that speaks to what you were saying too, as well as you know the, the role that the CIO plays in this 
in you know kind of putting building this case and um, having that uh, having the, the business acumen that maybe before it wasn't considered to be such a big priority for CIOs. Do you think that that's something that's really become uh, a requirement almost? I, I do. Part of it depends on, on the organization and how it's structured. You know, certainly for a not-for-profit uh, standalone system like us, it, it is. But you know, you got your larger systems that have uh, you know uh, executives in transformation roles and, and other type of roles. Uh, for an institution like us, you don't really have the budget to have multiple people at, at the C level in that area. So, I think the, the CIO has to wear the hat of CIO and kind of chief analytics guy as well. Um, but yeah, it's, I think at this point the CIO has got to have the CIO is a little bit like human resources that you now touch everyone in the institution from the cash yeah. register in the cafeteria to the surgery suite, right, to an ambulatory right. clinic, and so the CIO I think has to understand revenue cycle, has to understand the business processes, has to understand uh, you know patient engagement because a lot of that's electronic, not all of it, but a lot of it. Um, you have to understand meaningful use. So I think you clearly should understand fundamental business metrics and healthcare metrics, the business side of healthcare metrics, and the, the metrics that are associated with patient care. Right. Because you can help provide the data that allows the end users to do something meaningful with that data. Yeah. It's a lot of hats. Yeah, but it's, that's what makes it um, rewarding, if you will. Yeah. Now, uh, as far as um, patient engagement, um, is that something where uh, have you been able to see some traction from the portal, or is it kind of early as far as that goes? I would say, based on where I want it to be, it's still early in terms of numbers. But yes, mm -hmm. we have seen traction. And I'll tell you one of the interesting things. It's, it's a little bit of a caution, but I, I'll, I'll, even though it, it, it takes a burden on, on parts of the organization, it's a good thing. So patients are now able to see select parts of their medical record through the portal. And what they're saying is, gee, I'd like to uh, talk about it. Is, is this still accurate? Is this still an active problem? Things like that. But it's engaging them, and that's a good thing. And if in the rare event, just like a credit score, right, you find something wrong in the medical record, you want that corrected. Well, you know, I would submit, you know, we all want that corrected. The last thing a provider wants is to have a patient that has got inaccurate or not quite accurate, uh, meaning not totally inaccurate, uh, information in the medical record. Yeah. So that that's actually beginning to take some some um, some traction. L long way to go there, I think, in general, uh, as as a as a country, and in yeah. certain areas based on demographics, it, it's going to take longer than than other areas. Right. Yeah. It, but but it's but I would con I'm sorry I would consider it fundamental, and and pivotal in terms of of you know uh, um, population management. Right. Yeah, it's a lot of organizations are kind of in in the early stages, or just you know kind of dealing with with that the challenge that is uh, you know getting patients to to not just sign up for the portal, but to stay on it, and you know dealing with in some cases one portal for a physician's office, and you know one for the hospital, and sometimes even more. So that's it's definitely a tough one. It's a t and that's where we again I'll go back to again our, our service distribution. We've got a little bit of an advantage. That some patients are completely get all their care within our system because yeah. we've got you know the clinic footprint. So you know we're, we kind of sell the benefits of why do you want to have your care memorial? Well, one, there's not many other options in our geography, but two, you know you, you're underneath one umbrella. But but you know I would say here, here's the, the patient engagement and, and patient portal with more patient engagement topic in my mind. Patients are consumers too. Industry knows how to treat consumers. 
largely consumer-facing industries. I'm talking everything from Sony to Google to Apple to Walmart to Target. Go down the list, right? We should not, in my opinion, we need to treat patients the same way in terms of engagement, retention, satisfaction, et cetera. Yeah. Well, I mean, my point is we understand how consumers react, right? Yeah. That's what, that's what you know, VPs of, of marketing, which I was one of, 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 of companies do. Well, a patient's a consumer too, right, last time I checked. We, we know a lot of the, you know, how those patients react, their behaviors, et cetera. And that's what marketing is, 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 is addressing the behaviors and the desires and the wants and the needs of, of a consumer. Well, it's not that much different in healthcare, right? Right, right. Now, uh, as far as um, meaningful use, uh, how are you positioned at this point? So I'll, I'll represent the institution by saying I think we're positioned well. We were an early, early striver. We achieved meaningful use stage one in 2011. Um, so we are on meaningful use stage two on our inpatient uh, side and with our eligible providers. So we've received um, and attested for all of the incentive dollars on the inpatient uh, side of the house and with our eligible providers. So now we're in the uh, in meaningful use stage two and no longer in the incentive phase, but now we're in the penalty phase if we don't achieve. But we're, we're, we're meeting all the requirements and, and have from, from day one, all the measures. And it wasn't that, well, were there challenges just as far as going you know, with, with the, uh, the big EHR transition uh, this past summer? There were, but again, by the time we, we, we uh, did that, we were in our final year of inpatient meaningful use. We, we, uh, that finished in October, and we were in our final year, which finished in December for our eligible providers. So we just had to make sure that we combined measures out of our legacy systems with measures out of, our, um, out of the Cerner system, and, and we did that. It took some manual processes, but we did that pretty easily. I shouldn't say that. The people that did the work would not would say, Gene, that's not true. It wasn't easy. Um, but, but we were able to accomplish it. Right. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.